Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back at it, episode 124. For the love of the game, let's get this work. So 124 for the love of the game. And let's just say yours truly. It was a tough scene this past weekend for me as a sports fan. The Yankees, they continued to pretty much suck all weekend. They lost two or three to the Mets. They almost lost yesterday against the Minnesota Twins. Another bad team that they beat up all the time. Luckily, they came back to win. It just more of the same, more of the same from the Yankees, more shit defense from Glaber Torres, more bad situational hitting, more bad bullpen work. So the Yankees continue to frustrate. I mean, if they didn't come back to win yesterday and they were down five, nothing early on in the game, it would have been really curtains. I mean, it's we're close to calling it curtains right now for the 2021 New York Yankees season, but yesterday they were able to muster a major comeback. Aaron Judge with a monster home run in the eighth inning, monster three-run home run to tie the game, and then Gary Sanchez won in the ninth. The Yankees don't deserve Aaron Judge at this point. They really don't. They don't deserve him. They don't deserve Garrett Cole. I hate watching this team. I hate watching Glaber Torres. I know Aaron Booth decided that he's no longer going to play shortstop. He's going to play second base. You're going to try Gio Urshela at shortstop, I should say, moving in from third base. DJ LeMay, who's going to play third base. I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And then they optioned Andrew Velasquez, who's got a great glove at shortstop, provides speed on the bases. They optioned him back to AAA to bring up another pitcher. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I know Glaber Torres hit a big home run. What was it, Sunday night to cut the lead, to pull them within uh, striking distance? Ultimately, they lost because Francisco Lindor decided to go absolutely buck wild on the New York Yankees. Sunday night hitting three home runs. He's been dog shit all year for the Mets, and then he goes crazy. It was, it was an entertaining game, but again, the Yankees are not coming out on top of these games, and it's getting really late really quick. The Toronto Blue Jays are on a roll. They have an incredibly scary lineup with Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., who would win the MVP in any other year. I mean, the guy is going to maybe win the Triple Crown. And he's not going to win MVP this year because Shohei Otani is an unbelievable hitter and an unbelievable pitcher. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. 
But yeah, so the Blue Jays are soaring. The Red Sox, I'm still dubious of the Red Sox, but the Yankees, they got to get this shit together quick if they want to make the postseason. Just, just ridiculous, ridiculously bad baseball from them. Still incredibly frustrating. I don't understand why I'm still frustrated, but I am. But alas, after losing two or three of the Baltimore Orioles, you got another chance to write the ship. You got to go get a sweep. Garrett Cole's back on the mound tonight. So we'll see what happens. And the Giants. The New York Giants, who I actually picked in my picks this week, plus three. I thought I like a home dog, a home underdog. Week one, the underdogs were 11-4 against the spread. But not the New York Giants, they were not part of that 11-4. Just a horrific performance. A horrific, horrific performance at home. So many things to talk about. Daniel Jones stinks. The defense that was top 10 in the NFL couldn't get a big third down stop. We're going to get to the Giants later on in the show and more NFL stuff with a recurring guest. But just embarrassing, embarrassing. It seems to me that the Giants season is over. I was a little bit more optimistic. I didn't think they were going to be good. I thought they could win eight or nine games. But it's just a bad team. It's a bad team with a bad quarterback and a bad play caller. And that's just the bottom line. I, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to write the ship here. I have no faith in Jason Garrett. I have little to no faith in Daniel Jones. I mean, Saquon Barkley did not look sharp. I mean, it's hard to say whether it's the play calling, whether it's the rust, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he's coming off an injury. It was just so incredibly ugly. I mean, they made Teddy Bridgewater, who is – an average to below average quarterback. They made him look like fucking Joe Montana. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So again, we're going to get to the Giants and the NFL with a recurring guest. Before we get into, and this is going to be a quick monologue, just a little bit of frustration that I have to get off my chest. Big shout out to Daniel Medvedev for winning the U.S. Open, beating heavily favored Novak Djokovic, who is going for the calendar Grand Slam. So Rod Laver is still the last guy to do that in 1969. Medvedev beat Djokovic in straight sets and absolutely dominated him. Absolutely dominated him. He played such a clean match. Incredible, incredible tennis from him. There was one at one point, because you have so much respect for Novak and his stamina and his mental aptitude that he's always able to come back in these matches. I mean, you saw him grind out five setters, in the prior rounds, but there was one moment where he had, where Novak had break point against Medvedev in the second set and Medvedev unleashes after a decently long rally, unleashes a wicked, absolutely wicked down the line backhand, wins the point, deuce, goes on to hold and absolutely steamrolls Novak from him. So kudos to him for winning his first major. I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought Novak was going to complete the slam and surpass Nadal and Federer in terms of career titles, but Medvedev played an unbelievable tournament, an unbelievably clean tournament. I mean, he only dropped one or two sets. Really incredible. So congratulations to him. All right. So before we bring on tonight's guest, picks against the spread week two. Week one was okay. I ended up being two, two, and one against the spread. That Niners push was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they were up 20 points the entire game. And then all of a sudden, the Detroit Lions decide that they're going to get 
garbage time points. What the hell was that? That really hurt my feelings. And how about the Raiders last night on Monday Night Football? I had them plus four. They went outright in overtime. An insane game. A crazy game. First game in Las Vegas. I have no faith in Baltimore, especially at the rash of injuries. And we're going to talk about Baltimore again with uh, a recurring guest. I don't know how many times I can tease that, but it's coming. So, okay. Week two games against the spread. First, I got the Rams minus four against the Colts. The Colts are at home. I don't care. I think the Colts are bad. I think Carson Wentz is very bad. I think the Colts' vaunted offensive line has not been good. You know, they weren't good on Sunday, and they were not great down the stretch last year. So I like the Rams minus four even on the road. At two, I like the Bengals plus three against the Bears. I know both teams are not going to be very good this year, but if Andy Dalton's going to continue to play for the Chicago Bears, I don't see how they're going to win any games. And I kind of like Joe Burrow and that offense. I know the offensive line is a little scary, but I think the Bears defense is getting a little old. Their front seven is not the vaunted front seven that we're used to from the Chicago Bears. So I actually like the Bengals going on the road, covering the three. and. I actually think they could win outright. Uh, I like the Bengals' talent. Jamar Chase, for all the drops that he had in the preseason, was dynamite this past Sunday. Back with Joe Burrow. I like the Bengals in that spot. At three, this is my best bet. Kansas City, minus three and a half over the Ravens. I never, ever believe that in a game heads up that Lamar Jackson will beat Patrick Mahomes. I I don't understand all the Lamar Jackson love. They were slobbering. Brian Greasy was slobbering over his play Monday night, even though he fumbled the ball twice. One of them led to the winning touchdown. He's just not that good a quarterback. He can't throw. His mechanics are terrible. And Patrick Mahomes is awesome. And they can pull out wins from their ass 85% of the time. So I like Kansas City in that spot. Minus three and a half over the Ravens. I like Green Bay to right the ship. Minus ten and a half versus Detroit. I know Detroit covered this past Sunday. I should say pushed this past Sunday. I don't really care. I'm not scared off by the line. Aaron Rodgers usually beats the crap out of Detroit. And Green Bay is home. I like Green Bay covering the big number at ten and a half. And lastly, I like Seattle. Minus five and a half against Tennessee. Tennessee looked horrendous. I was on the wrong side of that this past Sunday. I was really this close to taking Seattle in the picks. I don't know why I didn't pull the trigger. I'm a Russell Wilson guy. I always have been, always will be. So I have confidence in Wilson at home, 12th man against Tennessee. I think the lack of Arthur Smith is really going to hurt Tennessee early on. So Seattle minus five and a half against Tennessee. So to recap, Rams minus four. Bengals plus three, Kansas City minus three and a half, Green Bay minus ten and a half, Seattle minus five and a half. Those are the week five picks against the spread. Hopefully we'll do better this week than we did last week. And with that, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about the Giants, lament about the Giants, and week one recap at large and a little forecast to week two. In, and uh, we're going to get that cracking in just a matter of moments. I teased it multiple times in the monologue. Recurring guest Shai Elberger is back. 
the biggest Giants fan I know. I don't – part of bringing him on is to check in on his mental state to make sure he's all right. Shy, how are we doing, bro? Um, my mental state is not all right. I'm doing this call from the uh, local insanity ward. Um, well, you know, we hoped uh, – we said last call that, you know, one of these days – that these calls would, would go over a successful Giants week or season or whatever. I get it's week one. I understand. But I can't say it's only week one, 10 straight years when they end up losing every game every year. Well, so, considering well, I think they've started out 0-2 the last five years. They've started um, out 0-2 the last five years and 0-1 um, like nine of the last 10 years. So... Just can never can never go into the high holidays on a high note. So Giants lose, for those who don't know, um, Giants lose 27-13 to Denver at home. I actually had the Giants plus three. Uh, underdogs were like 11-4 against the spread. Of course, the Giants right. were not one of those four, uh, 11. Um, so where's your heads at? Where, where's your depression level at on a scale of 1 to 10? I, I definitely thought they – could lose to Denver. Um, I I have no faith in the Giants' offense. That this is not an, a reaction to Week One. It was really, especially in the beginning of the season, uh, did not have confidence just based on the little we saw in the preseason, um, and just the fact that everyone they added to the offense in the off season basically had not practiced until like last week. So like. I think it's going to take time for Saquon and Galladay and Tony and Rudolph to like kind of get their legs under them. Having said that, it was really my depression level is, is probably at a seven out of 10. Like I'm not even, I don't get like angry and I guess I don't get depressed or sad anymore. I don't even know what the feeling is. It's just, it's the same thing every year. It's going to be the same thing Thursday night. They just run this bland, uncreative offense that tries to get three yards at a time and 12 play drives. And it just, you can't do that in the NFL anymore. And then of course, like they do have like a solid drive going and freaking Daniel Jones doesn't matter if he has nine hands on the ball, just fumbles. And there's just like, there's always, he, he can't not have that like backbreaking turnover. It's crazy. So I wanted to push back on something you just said, because you're talking about the Giants, you know, guys not practicing, needing time to gel. With all due respect, that's not it, Shy. It's not, it's not the main reason. Um, I just it's would not expect 95% I, of the reason it's not 98% of the reason we know what the reason is, man. The quarterback the stinks and the play caller stinks. Right. So, I mean, yes, there's, there's certainly a very decent chance that Daniel Jones is just, is what he is. He throws a nice ball. He's, he's for the most part accurate. And he is athletic, um, but his decision-making uh, is, is not great. 
and it seems like he locks onto receivers and his pocket presence is not good and he just can't stop turning the ball over. And like you can be as accurate as you want and throw a really nice deep ball and be athletic enough to run. But if those other things, you know, you don't improve on, it's just going to be your downfall. We've seen many a quarterback just kind of get themselves out of the league because they just can't stop turning it over. They lock onto one receiver or he'll be like a career backup. You know, he'll be a Nick Foles or something like that. Um, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating because you still can't like separate him from Jason Garrett. And it's like, I know we all hated Pat Shermer, but are we going to look back and, you know, after this season and be like, wow, Jones's best year was actually under Shermer and then watch him in Denver with like Teddy Bridgewater having a pretty good season. Um, yeah. I, J, the offense is uh, the play calling. Just the whole offensive philosophy is just bad. It's very bad. It's very plain. It's not, uh, you know, downfield. It's not anything. It, it's just bad. And ultimately, I think that, you know, Jason Garrett is, is atrocious, um, but that could fall on Joe Judge for hiring him and, and staying with him for year two. Do you think that the hiring of Garrett and staying with him was more Joe Judge or more the organization? Because it seems to me that, like, the organization likes Jason Garrett more so than Joe Judge. Yeah, that's a popular take uh, on, on the message boards. And obviously, I don't know. Here's what I will say. You know, they when Joe Judge was hired, we were all surprised. And the reason that they hired him was very clearly, as they said, like Mara and Gettleman were just like obsessed with Joe Judge. They bought into everything he stood for. So it's hard for me to believe that they were so, you know, into Joe Judge and put their trust, you know, the franchise's trust in this young guy. Um, and then said, like, but we don't really trust you to hire an offensive coordinator, so let's just hire Jason Garrett. It seems kind of off to me. Would they did they recommend Jason Garrett? Maybe did they say, like, hey, if you like Jason Garrett, we already like him a lot. That's also possible. I do it's hard for me to believe that he was like foisted onto Jason Garrett. Um, and I also, even more than that would be hard to believe that they would have like mandated that Garrett stay in year two. I think judge does like Jason Garrett uh, does like some of the things he stands for. I think he did put value on Jones having a second year in the same system. And I don't know. I, I, I wish I wish I had uh, I wish I had the crystal ball to know what about Jason Garrett does Joe Judge like? Maybe Joe Judge is just that kind of same offensive mind. I, I, but Belichick wasn't like that, and Saban isn't like that. So maybe Judge knows Daniel Jones isn't good, and thus he's on board with a very conservative play call or or game plan. I don't know. There's a lot of questions. It's it's all just very very frustrating. Well, I'll say this. If, if Joe Judge has a soft spot for Jason Garrett and likes Jason Garrett's philosophy, then the Giants need to fire Joe Judge in the offseason too. And I know that they probably won't do that. I know that no, they will not do that. Like him around the league. But if that's the case, then he needs to go as well. Uh, I just I, don't, I, I don't understand how on like that their touchdown drive, right? The guy throws 
the deep ball for like a 35-yard, you know, reception to Slayton. And then he just stopped doing that. Yeah, I mean, that was – I think that Slayton pass was actually that first drive, like the third play of the game. They, they does the hard count. He draws them off sides on third and five. I was very happy that I feel like unlike the last 20 years, I feel like Eli, when the defense would jump off sides and the Giants would have a free play, Eli would, for some reason, like still like throw the ball into the ground, like as pressure got him. I was very happy he just took the deep shot like the good quarterbacks do. And it was great. We got into field goal range. The issue is that they then had a first and uh, first down at the 30 yard line and decided that was the time to run this play that has um, the potential to lose a lot of yards with an end around to Tony, which is also, which it did. It lost six. And obviously everyone knows once he's in the game that he's going to get the ball. That's not like they had him in and ran a few play action sweeps or whatever. And then the next play, they got minus two, and they ended up punting. That was just an abysmal, uh, you know, abysmal. play calling. Um, the Giants actually had four drives in the game where they got to, like, the Denver 30, the Denver 20, the Denver 16, and the Denver 10. And on four, and those four drives came away with zero total points, which is really unfathomable. Um, but then the, that was the only deep class of the game and for all i know it wasn't even called it was they jumped off sides so slayton just ran a go route because that's like kind of what you should do there were no there's no plays down the middle i believe the giants missed evan ingram however they're just you have to throw the ball like you watch these other games and it looks like these teams are playing a different sport like you you have you can't just throw four yard passes when it's third and five and you have every receiver running a four-yard curl, it's mind-boggling. There was a play, it was like third and four, and Slayton ran like two yards and turned around, and Jones threw to him, and it like hit off Slayton's hands incomplete. And the announcer was like, the receiver has to help out his quarterback there and make that catch. I'm like, make the catch for what, a two-yard gain, so it's fourth down? Like, what are these routes? You just go to the first down marker and turn around or, or short of that? And I'll say another sequence that was just, really uh, frustrating and I think says a lot um, was Logan Ryan makes that unbelievable strip fumble recovery at like the five yard line uh, with like three, two minutes left in the half, three minutes left. Giants have the ball at their own five. It was very apparent that their only goal there was, was to, to get a couple of yards it. to be able to yeah, punt. was to just punt it back. It was do not risk a sack fumble. Do not risk an interception. So what do they do? It's run up the middle for zero, a pass to the fullback in the flat who's covered, incomplete, and then a pass to Rudolph in the flat for one yard. And third and nine, they punt. Denver scores before half. They score after half. Again, the game's over. And it's just like it, it just, if you don't have faith in your quarterback to try to get a first down, to try to get into field goal range, then you just have the wrong player. And if it's the offensive line you're worried about, then you're just basically admitting this offense, I do not have confidence in. And once you're, you've reached that stage, you're not going to have success unless you're just, you know, defense is giving you the ball at midfield, Saquon breaks a 70 yard run. And I'm sure those will happen. I'm sure that's going to happen. The Giants are going to struggle to score 20 points in any game this season. Honestly, it feels that way. So, I want to talk about other things besides the quarterback. 
Obviously, he's the at the epicenter of all the frustration. Uh, rightfully so. I mean, we'll talk about Saquon in a second, but how many times did Jones miss Saquon, who was coming out of the backfield when he was locking eyes on other receivers for Saquon, could have picked up yards through the passing game because the running game wasn't happening. I mean, Denver's got a good front seven, but I mean, come on. Like, it's just gross to watch Daniel Jones play quarterback. But as far as Saquon and the defense, um, the defense was a top 10 defense last year. They were not very yeah. good on Sunday. They couldn't get a key third down stop. Um, as for Saquon, so what did you see from those two uh, aspects of this Giants team? Or is it really just the defense kind of just sucked because the offense sucks the life out of you and Saquon the same thing? So I, I wasn't expecting much from Saquon. I knew he was going to be limited in his touches. I'm not expecting a lot this Thursday night either against Washington. He literally like just started practicing last week. And like, it's been a year. I'm sure he's rusty. Would it help if there's holes? Like, I didn't feel like he missed holes. It just feels like he gets the handoff and there's like, you know, 12 fatties right in front of him and he has nowhere to go and he tries to juke and whatever and he gets a couple yards um i also think he's probably best suited for more outside runs and tosses than these runs up the middle <coughs> but the bottom line is you have to block uh, but i kind of want to reserve judgment on a saquon as the season goes on the defense was definitely disappointing um i feel like we know last year they kind of maxed out and like hit their ceiling and you know they added a couple pieces so you would expect them to be better the bottom line is they didn't really add a bona fide pass rusher so yes they're hoping lorenzo carter is a good pass rusher they're hoping aziz ojulari is a good pass rusher um, but they didn't really add one and so that kind of came to fruition on sunday where bridgewater wasn't really uh, under pressure you have all these third downs and very little pressure sacks. Um, it's it wasn't great. I don't know. I don't know what what the deal was. The defense also got better last year as the season went on. So I'm not really in panic mode on the defense. Um, it still has its weaknesses. I do think there's a little bit of like, yeah, the offense goes out and had, goes three and out, and then Denver has a long drive that sucks, and then the offense gets the ball and goes three and out, and now Denver has a long drive again, and like. At that point, you're kind of exhausted. Doesn't explain everything. It doesn't explain why to start the second half, Denver went on a long drive. The defense obviously has a break at halftime. Um, you know, they can get off the field on third down to stop those drives and fourth down. So it was not a good performance by the defense whatsoever. I don't think the defense is the reason they lost the game. Like no. Melvin Gordon's touchdown, the game was kind of already decided. And so like, yeah, with all those third down conversions, the Denver basically scored 20 points, you know, up until five minutes left in the game, essentially. And it's like, it doesn't like, it doesn't even, if the offense plays like they play, it doesn't matter how good the defense is. Correct. And so that's just, that's where my focus is. Like, I don't even defense. Yeah. It gives up third down conversions. It doesn't even matter. If the offense can't score more than seven points in a game. I, I get they had 14 as time expired. The offense can't score seven points in a game, then it just doesn't matter what the defense does. And so I'm not not panicking on the defense. You know, if Tyler uh, Taylor Heineke Heineke 
you know, if the Washington scores, you know, 27 points on Thursday, I'll be a little nervous for sure. Um, but I just think that's not, that's not even like the focus. Like it's also just easier to have a good offense in the NFL these days. Like every team scores points that the Houston Texans scored 30 points, like the lions scored 30 points. It's not hard. It really isn't. And it's the fact that the Especially Giants, when the referees call the game and all the rules are geared. Towards of course. That, well, that's points. why like all of these teams can score. So it's like the fact that for years now, different quarterbacks, different offensive coordinators. That's also what I just can't understand is like, this has now been different coaches, different offensive coordinators, different quarterbacks, different receivers. And like, there's for some reason, this still struggle for the giants to score like 27, 24, 20. Um, I just, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. So uh, and we'll get to the um, the predictions for Giants Redskins on Thursday Night Football a little later. God, you can't say the R word. I'm sorry, the Washington Football Team. I apologize. That's right. I apologize. I apologize. The Washington <laughs> Football Team actually are officially the football team uh, for the last two years now, and whatever I just consider them so irrelevant, it doesn't matter. So I know you said you don't get angry, but this malaise is it more of a malaise because you're just tired of the losing, or is there a part of you that's happy? that now they're going to stink Jones and Gettleman will be out and hope springs eternal. Um, no, there's malaise because for all I know, Gettleman will get fired and they'll promote someone in house or hire someone that has ties to the Giants still, or doesn't do what they should do and kind of just like really take a step back and try to figure out what is happening. Um, so like, I don't know. Yeah, I would love, I can't wait till they fire Gettleman, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm like confident that a whole new thing is about to happen. And it's just like, I want Daniel Jones to be good. Like we, we remember his first preseason, those first couple of weeks he started, like I was full in on Danny Dimes hysteria. And like, I really thought they, they found something and I, and they, they obviously love him and the building off the field. He's like, he has a strong arm. He's athletic. He's accurate. So it's just like, why can't he be good? But if you just can't get past the mental mistakes and the turnovers and, you know, pocket presence, you just can't teach that. Then unfortunately they, they have to move on. It doesn't make me happy. Like I doesn't make me happy that, you know, to see if he ends up bouncing around as a backup in the league. Um, I just, there's so many, I don't know if they'll promote a new GM who likes Jones, so they won't take a quarterback next year. I don't know. I, I don't have uh, any excitement toward them losing and people getting fired. I would still rather somehow they like turn it around and become a good team. I mean, this is an exceedingly morbid first start to this episode. <laughs> this I know it's true. Now, well, it was a morbid start to the season. Now. So Obviously, the other, you know, playing devil's advocate is it is week one, as uh, my guy Ryan Rosillo has said multiple times, you can't super overreact to week one, even though we outlined that the Giants always lose in week one. Is there any hope for this season? There is hope for the season because they were 0-5 last year and they were alive until Sunday night football. So there is hope. 
Dallas. That's a product of the division that they play in, which I still think can be the case. Uh, It's not going to be that bad, but here's what I'll say. Between week one and week two, if the Giants were going to be one and one, they obviously lost the better of those two games to lose, being an AFC opponent and uh, versus a divisional opponent. If they win Thursday night, you know, everyone's mood changes. If they lose Thursday night, you know, we are on the road to then, you know, the following week is Eli Manning jersey retirement, ring of honor ceremony. Um, and, you know, Atlanta, who looked horrendous against Philly, you know, would that shock me if Atlanta beats the Giants week three? No, not at all. And like, we just start going down that road where it's like, oh, nice. And then week four is the Saints and the schedule doesn't really let up. Um, so I really think this Thursday night, as tough a game as it is, short week, short week for Saquon, Ingram's probably not playing in Washington. Like, I know we said week one was a must win. Whenever you lose a must win game, the following week becomes like a capital letters must win game. Yep. Uh, the season could really spiral pretty quickly if they lose Thursday. And I think it's entirely possible. And I think it's a very possible they lose by, you know, 10 or more points. Um, if they lose to Atlanta week three, I'll be absolutely catatonic because, and we'll get to Atlanta when we go around the league, but I, yeah, it, it's bad. I, I just take solace the fact that Dave G will be out. Jones will be out. We just start anew. And if you look, look at the Jets fans this year, right? They're all excited about Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson had, you know, moments of, of real promise. And that's what you look towards. And, and that's all you can hope for. So enough about the Giants because we've wasted enough breath on them. Let's go around the league for a little bit. So week one. What were a couple of things that stood out to you week one uh, of this NFL season? Who surprised, impressed you the most? Who disappointed? Um, a couple of overreactions that you don't think are actually overreactions. I did not see the Saints completely demolishing the Packers. Um, that was very surprising. Uh, Rogers actually was QB 35 in fantasy this week out of 32 teams. I think he had negative points. Um, that was a very big surprise. I'll say new England losing to Miami was very surprising to me. Um, they, they definitely could have won. They fumbled the game away. Um, and another surprise would be Arizona taking it to Tennessee. I really thought that was going to be a nice shootout and Tennessee's offense was kind of nowhere to be found. Chandler Jones had five sacks, but I, I didn't think Arizona's defense is really that good. Um, so that was surprising. And I think the last one, Pittsburgh beating Buffalo, not, not so shocking to me. I, I think, you know, I've kind of, I'm always a little higher on Pittsburgh than, than most people are. Yes. Um, uh, Houston taking it to Jacksonville. I mean, we, we've texted offline about Urban Meyer, um, but still I thought Houston was just, definitely the worst team in the NFL. And the fact that they were able to win by like 20, that was pretty surprising also. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised by that. I was definitely surprised by the saints. Uh, Cause I know we spoke uh, on the last episode that I'm not too uh, high on the saints. I, I thought they're over under at nine. Uh, I actually like the under uh, a couple of things else that stood out to me this weekend. Um, 
the Raiders, obviously that was last night in a, in a crazy game, but like, I think John Gruden has gotten a lot of crap over the last three years uh, since he's come back to the Raiders. And I don't think John Gruden has really lost it. I think that, you know, he dials some good stuff up and you saw it last night that the Raiders just shoot themselves in the foot because the players are not great. I was, I was impressed by the Raiders and Derek Carr and the moxie that Derek Carr showed. Uh, and I don't think John Gruden is as washed as everybody says he was. Um, I don't love John Gruden. Uh, I think their team and like roster build is very questionable. And it's pretty funny. The narrative, like the whole first half of that game last night was just Derek Carr looking awful. Literally only throws to Darren Waller. Um, and Baltimore was up 14, nothing like pretty quickly. I, I don't know Very what good. happened in this. I don't know what happened in the second half. Like obviously just kept throwing it to Waller. You think Baltimore would figure out a way to cover him. Um, but Lamar wasn't, wasn't great. And I mean, yeah, you got to give credit. I did not think the Raiders were going to end up winning that game last night. Now they almost blew it in incredible fashion. You know, oh, yeah. that was unbelievable. And um, just, again, on that game, maybe we'll spend a minute or two talking about the best broadcast uh, that I've ever seen. But um, I, I don't love the Raiders. This could be a game where, you know, no one really remembers when they're 6-10 and 10 in December. Uh, I, I don't think they're a threat to anyone. I still think Baltimore is good. Um, and it was just, I think, I don't know, one of those wild, wild games that, like, doesn't make sense by the end of the season, but they pulled it out in week one. So you got to give them credit. I agree with you on the Raiders. I don't think they're great, but I think they're like a, well, I know you can't really go 500 now with 17 weeks, but I think they're around a, you know, slightly above, slightly below 500 team. I think they can, you know, be eight or nine wins. Uh, I know you're in on Baltimore. I'm just so out. Well, I'm more in on Baltimore. Cleveland, what? But, um, I'm more in on Cleveland, but also since we spoke last, Baltimore then had Gus All Edwards injuries. and Marcus and that Peters. Play, yeah, that plays a huge so. part in all of this, right? But this for this season, I'm out in Baltimore, and I'm just out on Lamar. Like, I know he wins 80% of his games. Great, wonderful. As I was on, you know, the bird last night, he's never going to win you a Super Bowl playing the way he plays. It's just not happening. It's not happening. And I, I've ranted about this year in and year out that the media narrative around Lamar is that he's like this top six or seven guy. He's slightly above average as a, as a quarterback. He's a tremendous athlete. He makes things happen, but he can't make a big pass to save his life. His mechanics are terrible. I just, I don't trust him ever. And I'll never bet him you know, to win anything. Like, we're going to talk about week four picks against the spread in my um, pseudo-super contest. My lock of the week is Kansas City minus three and a half. There's no way that I would ever pick Lamar heads up against Patrick Mahomes, ever. But the I mean, media Lamar, that, like, talks about him, like, they're in the same breath, and it just drives me crazy. Well, they won MVP. He certainly has a skill set that is very rare. Uh, here, here's what I actually was having this conversation last night. Um, like, 
yeah, so someone said Lamar will never win a Super Bowl also, and he's just, he's, you know, he's fun to watch, but, but not like a bona fide quarterback, which I don't disagree with. But what I would also say is that Baltimore's offense would probably be a lot worse with a different quarterback. Like, he's not throwing to Tyree Kill and, you know, Devontae Adams. No, Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins are his top two receivers. And he has, he has undrafted running backs and Mark Andrews is good. Sure. But like, is he, your, is he a number one? Like, is that a good offense if he's your number one? Like if it was not Lamar Jackson, but um, Kirk Cousins or Jared oh, Goff. Come on. Hey, Kirk Cousins okay. is a bad example because so, he's horrific. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to think of like Ben Roethlisberger or, you know, uh, I don't know. Roethlisberger is prime. If it was Roethlisberger in his prime, the Ravens would be better. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I know. So, so it, it's, it's not like he's awful. Like he clearly brings something to the table. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. He'll never, he'll never be able to win a Super Bowl. Let me ask you this. All right. For this season right now, Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson? Cause I don't think it's close. Um. I think Kyler Murray, um, but he also, I feel like last year was a little bit disappointing. He also has DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but he's but, capable of throwing the ball. Yeah, he's probably a better thrower than Lamar. Hey, there's a reason Kyler Murray went number one and Lamar, you know, dropped to the end of round one. Joe Burrow or Lamar? I like Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is pretty good. I do too. I would take Joe Burrow over Lamar. Justin Herbert for certain. I like almost every quarterback that's in their rookie or second year. Like I, there's not really one guy who I'm, I've already labeled as a bust like I did like for uh, Dwayne Haskins. The one thing or, about the Giants is they didn't take Dwayne Haskins. So that was yeah, really no, that, that's the That's the, the not funny, funny part is like if they were sold on QB, it was either Jones or Haskins. So I mean, obviously, they probably should have taken Josh Allen, but the no the, one had the pass rusher Josh Allen. The pass rusher, the pass rusher Josh Allen. I mean, yeah, that that's that's for certain. Um, so we got to talk about it, right? You mentioned it before the broadcast, the Eli Payton broadcast, as one of the things that stood out to me this weekend. It was yes. tremendous. It was definitely a lot better than I was anticipating. I thought I would have it on to start and, and kind of see how it went, but was not planning on kind of watching that for the whole game. I thought it was going to be a little too gimmicky, and I think it actually started out with a little too many uh, gimmicks. Um, I know there was that clip going around that was funny when Peyton had the helmet on and Eli made yeah. the, the, the forehead joke, um, but they were doing some other things where they were – Payne was trying to like draw plays on a whiteboard, like in between plays. And it was just like too much was going on. Then they settled down and it was basically just like him, Eli and a guest, you know, on the sidebar with the game going on. And I thought it was, it was very good. You know, I, I think also part of it is I don't really like the ESPN announcers. So it wasn't like I was missing, you know, Michaels and Collinsworth. Right. Um, I'm more than happy to watch something else other than the ESPN guys. And they were, it was great. They were just talking football and cracking jokes and 
you know, Barkley came on and Ray Lewis and Kelsey, uh, Russell Wilson was great for the last like eight minutes. Um, and I think uh, you could see on Twitter, like everyone was liking it. And I think it's going to be really successful uh, as this season goes on. What, and what's the, I should say, what stood out to me was a, a couple of things. One, even if they brought on less guests and they just had Peyton and Eli talking, that would have been great too. Because both yes. those guys, because both those guys are, I think they maybe overdid it in week one with the guests. Uh, some of the guests were good. Like uh, you mentioned, Russell Wilson was great, right? Barkley's always good on TV, no matter what, right? That was um, that was great. Barkley came on, and Peyton was just like immediately. It was like, all right, so who did you bet on? <laughs> no, it, it, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. But if even if it was a more just Eli and Peyton talking, and I know they're cracking jokes, and maybe they have to find a better balance in terms of analysis and jokes, and that comes with a couple of you know, games, episodes, whatever you want to call it, broadcasts underneath your belt. But one thing is clear is that if Peyton Manning wanted to be Tony Romo, he would be Tony Romo times 10. Yes. And I think Tony I, Romo I don't is think, excellent. But Peyton I don't think, Manning is yeah. so good. I agree. I, I don't think he wants to be Tony Romo. I think he wants to do something just like this, where it's like his own spin on being a color commentator. You know, like, I don't know if you ever watched Peyton's Places. It has like this weird, funny spin to it. And I think that's the kind of thing he wants to do, not yeah. just go into the CBS booth and, you know, call a game normally. Um, I think the guest part also could be, you know, it's hard to keep up a conversation for three hours, yes. especially if you're not just doing like play-by-play -play and color commentary. So I, I think it's kind of necessary, not for the whole game. And there, obviously there were times where it was just them two, but I did not mind uh, bringing the people on now, what they have to make sure they don't do is start like cross promoting because it's ABC ESPN, like, Oh, this new Disney movie's coming out. Let's have on this, like this 19 year old who's the star of a Disney show and like give his take. Like, I hope they really don't do that and keep it strictly football and, you know, having guys like Kelsey and Wilson who are like currently playing and clearly just watching the game, they would just be watching the game at home. Now they're watching the game with Eli Payton and, and the rest of us. It was just really something we've never seen before. And, and it came out really well. Yeah, no, it, it was I was super impressed. I was super impressed. And obviously you're grading it on a scale that they're doing this for the first time. Right. I mean, that has to that has to be the curve you're grading it on. I, I just I couldn't be more impressed by by Peyton Manning. And I think he's going to be like a media sensation. Correct. I, I think everyone knew. I mean, Peyton's been in every commercial since you know the last 20 years. So he, he's good on TV. He's obviously very smart uh, with football, with everything. So they're only doing uh, 10 games this year. So nine more. Um, one of them will be Giants Chiefs, so that will be interesting. I don't um, want to watch any of that game. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure if they're doing next week's game, but um, I'm looking forward to, to the rest of the season. And if I were – like, I don't know who would prefer to watch the ESPN. That's, it's going to be very uh, awkward for them when they see the ESPN2 ratings are better than ESPN. It's well, I, I do have a soft spot for Lewis Riddick though on ESPN. I, I don't I, mind Lewis Riddick, and um, 
Like I thought Brian Greasy had a rough night last night. Could could Riddick be the next Giants GM? Probably not, since they already interviewed him and said no. Well, I, I anything is better than what we have. But okay, so back to back to week one. Um, overreactions. Uh, what were your three biggest overreactions that you're like? I'm not sure they're overreactions, but I'm going to run with it. Um. Well, the Giants. Um, the Packers for sure. Uh, like, obviously, I don't think. Um, oh, that aren't overreactions. Okay, so let's see. Um, I'm. I guess I'm a little nervous. Like, the Titans changed their offensive coordinator. What if that actually has like a pretty negative effect on their offense? Kind of be an under the radar change that no one really thought would matter. Um, I don't think it's under the radar. I mean, Arthur Smith. I, was the right. reason why, you know, you could say that Tannehill has turned his career around and now he's right. still plays in Atlanta. But usually when there's like an internal promotion, you kind of think it's the same system and you learned under him. So I'm not really sure. That could also be, you know, Tennessee scores. It's Tennessee-Seattle next week. So, I mean, that game definitely could be a high-scoring game. Um, let's see. I Maybe Atlanta is just like, sucks hard I, I know we all knew that but like offensively I thought they'd be good um but maybe not I don't know so that's Arthur Smith also um I don't know, you know I don't why really... that is you know why that is shy because Matt Ryan thank you thank you and and this is somebody who not that anybody gives a crap about my fantasy team but this you know somebody who bid a decent amount of money on Kyle Pitts right because he's because he's a monster right. I, I have Pitts too Matt Ryan's Stinks, stinks, and I've been saying it for years. No one listens, or at least no one, not enough people listen. Um, another ah man, this is a, a tough By question. Way, put, well, put, I'll tell you, I put yeah. Atlanta in a money line uh, parlay that obviously lost. Uh, so I'm as much of a hypocrite as anybody else. But I, I'm never backing the Falcons with Matt Ryan ever again. Ever. Um, I think Jacksonville probably is going to suck a lot this year. I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were week one. I just, I don't Well, know. that's impossible because Houston's going to have the first pick in the draft, but they're not going to be good. I'm telling you. Um, and what else? Maybe Pittsburgh is going to be better than people think. All right. That's, that's, that's you know, I know. Or not, you know. I know, you know what? I, they have good players, like their running back, skill position, receiver. Um, you know, they have good players. Yeah, Ben really was bad players. though. He was bad Sunday. He, uh, he wasn't good, right? Um, but I, I just think that they they can be, you know, a force. Um, but I know, well, and I know the Browns. It's set up for them because if Baltimore is going to stink, then they have the inside track. If you think two of those teams are going to make the playoffs. Right. Because we feel pretty good about Cleveland, especially after week one. I know Baker had, you know, the last three drives are not great, but. I know. So, all right, so Cleveland lost, um, but I really think like they were basically six minutes away from winning in Kansas city. And I, that loss did not do anything to, uh, you know, make me think that they're not going to win the division. I thought it was actually yeah, more impressive than I thought they would be. 
So let's transition to uh, week two picks against the spread. Obviously, I'm trying to do my own version of the Vegas Super Contest. I'm not putting down the money required to be in the Vegas Super Contest because I'm not confident in my skills nearly enough. I'm just curious to see how I do. And I'm just not throwing away 1500 bucks like that. But anyway, so I was 2-2-1 two, two, and one against the spread last week. So I wanted to ask you what you think of these five selections. First, I got the Rams minus four at the Colts. I got the Bengals plus three in Chicago. I've got Kansas City, my lock of the week, minus three and a half against the Ravens. Ravens are home. I've got Green Bay minus 10 and a half against Detroit. Green Bay is home. And I have Seattle at home minus five and a half against the Tennessee Titans. Which pick are you trying to talk me out of? Um, let's see. Uh, not Green Bay. Run, run through them again for me. Rams minus four at the Colts. Bengals plus three against Chicago at Chicago, Kansas City at the Ravens minus three and a half, Green Bay and Seattle at home minus five and a half against Tennessee. I might, I mean, I'm not confident in any of these, but Rams, Colts, you took the Colts, you said? Oh, no, you took the Rams, right? The Rams. Uh, Rams minus four. I mean, I really like the Rams. I'm not going to lie. I, I feel like. Maybe it was a golf thing. I feel like the Rams like randomly lay stinkers every so often. And Indy's at home again. You know, they don't want to be 0-2. I, I mean, yeah, I would expect the Rams to win. Um, but, you know, could they win by a field goal? Sure. Um, I don't really have an issue with any of your picks. Doesn't mean I'll be right, of course. But not, nothing jumped out at me as, as egregious. All right. Well, you're feeling it. Hopefully we go four and one. So last thing before I let you go. So predictions for Thursday night. Obviously, oh. Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick is out with a hip injury. Taylor Heineke. So which side do you fall on more? That the, red, the, the, the football team, I should say. Oh, I call it myself. The football team is better off with Taylor Heineke anyway or that they're going to miss Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Giants actually have a chance to win? I don't think they're better off with Heineke. However, I don't know that it really changes the chances of the Giants winning. Um, Heineke is more mobile. I've watched tons and tons of Giants games against backup quarterbacks that they've lost. And I thought you were asking my prediction for Thursday night was going to be bagels and locks. But you meant for the football game, I, I don't well, have I, any bagels and locks for Thursday night. For those of us tribe members, it's not a prediction. <laughs> it's a, it's, that, it's that's a lock of the week. That's the lock of the week. Right? That is the lock of the week. It's the lock of the century. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, if it's bagels and locks is like minus ten thousand, and the field is plus. Plus a thousand. It's not even um, on the board in the in the sport. Not on the board. Um, I don't think the Giants are going to win. I think they're going to lose 24-14. So, yeah, I like. I'm I'm just tired of predicting anything other than what I've seen for the last seven years. Like if you when they show me that they can score three touchdowns in a game, 
maybe I'll predict them to score 20 points, but I, I don't see it. I have no confidence in anything on the offensive side. They signed Kenny Galladay so that they could throw him, you know, one pass through three quarters. And, you know, they had, they drafted Tony, he plays two snaps, gets negative two yards. And um, I mean, yeah, it's not going to be like that for the rest of the season, but you're talking about this Thursday night, how much more is, if the reason for Tony playing two snaps was he missed all his practice time and he has to get his feet under him and he has to learn the playbook, then what's going to change in four days? Not much. So that, that's what it is. 24, uh, uh, 14. That's my prediction. Washington. This is, this is as down as I've heard you since we I it just, it's like, I just can't, it what really, um, I just can't, understand how it's the same product for so long across so many different people that there's just i don't i don't know what it is and it's just like everything you thought would happen in week one happens like can't run they don't go down the field they don't throw it deep they can't score jones has a horrible turnover and um the defense like kind of wasn't good I guess that wasn't expected, but like kind of held their own for, for three quarters. And then, you know, the bottom fell out. And I've just, I've just been seeing this for like since 2012, like the same thing. It's not just even the last five years. 2013 was horrible. 2014 was horrible. 2015 was horrible. 2016 was. Uh, uh, the one uh, anomaly. You know, the one anomaly where Beckham basically won four games on his own with slant to the house touchdowns. And, and the boat picture, the boat party, since the boat, since the boat party, the giants have not had one week of any season where they've been above 500. How about that? It's bad. It's very bad. We're going to end off on a positive note. Are you up to date on bachelor in paradise? I am. I, I will not be watching tonight's episode tonight, but I am up to date and got a lot of thoughts, but maybe for another time. For another time, but how excited are you to watch tonight's episode? Because we have whipped cream being sucked off body parts, and we have Lil John coming. I, I am excited for uh, Lil John. Um, the whipped cream on the toes, maybe that's more your boat than mine. Uh, what, are you trying to say? what are you trying to I, say? I, I, I'm more of a whipped cream, you know, straight into the mouth from the, the canister. Can, I can bypass the toe as a vessel. All right, square. It's 2021. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I, I am so excited for tonight's episode. I, too, I don't think we'll be watching live tonight, but I am incredibly excited because, obviously, you know, it's getting kinky. It's getting weird, and that's good for TV. And whenever Lil John's involved in anything, I'm for it. I, I am for more Lil John. If Lil John... Many- how many episodes is he going to be on, though? These guys are rotating, like, weekly. I don't care. I need more Lil John. I wish Lil John could narrate my life, my daily life, narrated by Lil John. Um, I do think, well, I obviously hadn't watched Paradise until this season, so I don't know anyone, but I am a fan of Wells the Bartender. Also did not know he's engaged to uh, the Modern Family. Daughter. Sarah Highland. Yeah, yes. you, you're 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 new to the bachelor, um, you know, realm, the bachelor, uh, 
family. Definitely paradise. Yeah. I've never seen it. And uh, yeah, good. So good for him. I like, he should be the host. I like him. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave you there. A uh, little less depressing. Shy. hopefully one day we'll be able to talk about a winning season, maybe a playoff game. It'd be a nice change of pace, but hopefully we're both wrong on uh, Thursday, but I'm not very confident. And uh, But I'm sure we'll talk about it offline. I'm sure we'll talk about some more NFL stuff during the rest of the football year. Thanks so much for doing this, and I'll speak to you soon, man. All right, no problem. Speak to you later. Later. Thanks again to recurring guest Shai Alberger for talking about the Giants, lamenting about the Giants. It was a little bit of a therapy session. I mean, I really have never heard him so sad and depressed about his favorite football team. But there's a reason for that, because they've sucked for a long time now, and they're continuing to suck. That's uh, that's episode 124 for the love of the game. Two things. One, I have to correct myself. Gary Sanchez won Monday's game in the 10th inning, not the 9th inning. And uh, I'd be remiss if uh, I didn't bring it up. Today, uh, there was some bad news in the world of comedy. I know we don't talk about comedy that much. Movies on here, but I, I love comedy. I love movies. Comedic legend Norm MacDonald died today at the age of 61. I mean, an absolute legend of the game. One of, the, one of the three funniest comedians I've ever heard in my lifetime. I wasn't old enough to hear Eddie Murphy in his prime, but it, for my money, the three best comedians I've ever heard are Dave Chappelle, Norm MacDonald, and Bill Burr. So RIP to him. Super sad. It hit me hard today. And that's uh, episode 124 for the love of the game. Take us out. Let's do listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube